This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. Everything on this site is more of rub-ons and roll-ons and lotions. It's nothing you ingest or anything like that. And it's barely any THC, so you won't even get high by rubbing it on your body. This is, like I said, more geared towards your athlete. But for your everyday blue-collar worker, if you have aches and pains, this works for you very good. Wow, my English sucks. Very good as well. Wow, it's my first time in Canada. I've been here five years. I speak six, just so you know. <laughs> Anyways, blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Go there, use promo code THEPODCAST25. And if you're into nerd culture, nerd collectibles, any of that sort of stuff, go visit firstworld.ca. This is a Canadian company. They are based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. So to all your wrestling fans, you know that is a rich wrestling town here up here in Canada. So go visit them, support them. They are First World Collectibles. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. They update daily. They got everything from wrestling memorabilia to hockey cards to signed baseballs. Anything you could literally think of. Comic books, they have it there. Go support the cause. And if you want to support me directly, visit my T public page. But if you scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there in, the, in today's description. Click on it, it takes you directly to my merchandise store. I have everything from hoodies to t-shirts to mugs to travel mugs to phone cases. Literally anything you need or want, it is there. I am a merchandise whore. I have no shame. So please support me directly. And obviously during these hard times, I understand this is all fun, tongue-in-cheek stuff. But if you can't support me monetarily, the most important thing is to rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, especially Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest is the founder and editor-in-chief at ReviewFix.com and the author of the Minds Behind the Games book series, Patrick Hickey Jr. How you doing, man? Happy to, uh, to be on the show. No, thank you very much. Yes, too sweet indeed, my friend. We will get into some wrestling talk for sure, but we will talk first of what you're most known for is obviously video games, writing, 
reviewing, doing all sort of that fun stuff. I mentioned it off the top, reviewfix.com. So you founded this, you're the editor-in-chief. When did all this come to be? Was this your first step into like multimedia, to producing stuff, making your own like corner in this universe they call the internet? Oh my God, no. Um, I was I was making like group pages on, you know, GameSpot and oh, AOL, cool. like, you know, five, six years before, okay. before that. Um, so what happened was... Um, I was going through like the end of a uh, relationship and uh, I was getting bored, you know? Sure. So I was like, rather than do something stupid, um, let me create a site. Um, at that point, I had already had my bachelor's degree. So I'd already written for about like, you know, eight to 10 newspapers, a uh, bunch of blogs and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? Let me make something that's my own. I just started teaching probably like eight months before that. Okay. So, uh, I was just like, all right, boom, I just I started my own site, and then I started reaching out to, like, theater companies, record labels, video game companies, That's like, true. whoever I could for them to start sending me, you know, things to review, and I started doing interviews with people on the site, and it just started building, and I started getting people to write for me, and so on and so yeah. on, and then it's, that was 10 years ago, so from there, oh, wow. I went to NBC, I have written for the New York Daily News, the Daily, uh, the, uh, New York Times, uh, the Syracuse Post Standard, Examiner, Shit. so uh, Complex. So this was like, yeah, this was the beginning of nice. of me taking it super, super seriously. And then that was like the beginning of me getting relationships with video game developers, which led to the beginning of the minds behind the games. Wow, that's crazy! What a fucking resume! And you're like, you're not even forty yet, and you have all this under no, your belt. Yeah. yeah, I'm thirty six. Fuck, so, man, yeah. good for you. <laughs> I've been at it for a long time, though, man. I feel so fucking old sometimes. Oh, my God. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm so, telling you. I got to ask, because we're both yeah. married. You have kids. Yeah. I don't. Well, you have one kid. Well, as of this one, this drops, you will have two kids. So congratulations yeah. on that. So hopefully yeah. all goes well and everything's cool. This is crazy. Yeah, I feel like Marty McFly. Like, right now, like, we're doing the podcast and there's no kid. But then by the time people hear this, there will be a kid. So, like, some major shit is going to go down in, like, the next five or six days, man. It's crazy. So yeah. what does your wife think of all this? All this video game shit, all the stuff you're into that consumes your life? <laughs> you're making around. sure she's not here, nope. right? I'm just looking. I'm looking around to make sure that I'm safe because she's half, she's got Italian in her, so she don't fuck oh. around. Um, <laughs> like Brooklyn Italian, like the mafia movies, you know. Um, nice. She's not a fan of video games. Oh shit. Yeah. No, I mean she'll play like Parappa the Rapper. Okay. From like time to time, and like you know, you know Pac Man, and like you know my daughter is like my daughter's three, and she's a huge gamer. Oh, she's nice. like she loves it, loves it. My my wife's just like, but you did. Look what you did to our daughter, blah, 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 you know? But um, she gets it. My wife gets it. And I, right. the reason why I love my wife so much is because my wife understands how much it means to me. Okay. Because, like, I'm a freak. Like, my memory is freakish. Like, I could just grab a game right. and be like, boom, I bought this game on this day because this was going on. And then I'll be like, oh, oh this is the guy who produced it. This is, like, the team these guys went on. Like, I could play Kevin Bacon game. Oh, my God. You know, this guy right. made this and that guy made that. So, like, um... It's a huge like obsession in a way with me. It's like it's it's a huge hobby for me. It's like I'm that way with with hockey. I love hockey right. just as much as I love video games. I love professional wrestling as much as I love video games. And okay. it's just like I love the history of things, you know. And it's like I could tell somebody could go to me. Um, 
you know, oh, John Tavares in, in mm-hmm. you know, 2013, 20, 2014, uh, what was his season like? And I could have a conversation with them. Wow. And it, it won't be just the stats. It'll be like, all right, so this he, he started off really good, but then he did that. Da, 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 da. So it's like I like to tell stories. I like to find out the things behind how things were made and shit like that. So it was just the it just lent itself perfectly to like what I'm doing now with these books. Yeah, so. no kidding. See, well, I'm the opposite though. It's funny. I have shit ass memory. I can't even remember what I ate yesterday. <laughs> like I have very short term memory, right? So it's interesting for someone like you that you, even though you have a memory of everything, you still want to know more. I talk to people oh, yeah. from the industry, from all sorts like wrestling, sports, video games, to find out like the yeah. nuances and the stuff behind the scenes because. I've forgotten yeah. shit like back in the day. Sometimes I have a wrestler on and he's saying something. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That did happen, didn't it? And I feel so embarrassed yeah. sometimes because it's like, fuck, my memory sucks. But I remember watching yeah. it. I just don't remember what happens, right? Sure. <laughs> so sure. that's hilarious. <laughs> so, I think it's like one of the problems too with like mm. the video game industry. Like fa- uh, video game players are conditioned to play the shit out of games. Sure. But then not ask any questions at all. Oh. It's like if I go to you, like who created Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> Rockstar. That's what people say. It's true. And it's like, no, there was some asshole in his basement somewhere that came up with the idea and pitched that shit to Rockstar. Right. And to me, that guy's story is just as important as everything else that like Grand Theft Auto became because without that light bulb moment, you don't get Grand Theft Auto. Right. And of nobody course. knows these stories. And there's so many homers out there, like streamers and YouTubers and stuff that are just like, oh, oh. this game sucks. Right. This game is great. And then you have all these little kids that don't that don't know shit, that don't experience the art, and they just follow these these influencers' right. opinions. And for me it's like I want to be the person that like fills in the gap. So somebody goes, You know what, that game is great, but this is the reason why. Exactly. You know, or this game this game isn't so good, but these are the reasons why. And they can still appreciate the game as like some type of art. Because I mean bottom line, I mean when I watch hockey, hmm. I think of it as art. Oh okay. you know? When you see, like, Matt Barzal skating down the ice, juking and driving, when you see Crosby behind the net, that's <laughs> fucking art, man. When you play okay, Red sure. Dead and you're looking for birds up in the in the, in the the sky to find out, like, where you got to go next, right. somebody came up with that idea. True. I know the guy whose idea that was to put that into the game. Right, right. You know? That's crazy. So it's like, it makes you appreciate the games that much more. And that's what I want. I want people to appreciate the things that they love, like hockey, wrestling, video games. I want them to appreciate it more. See, and that's perfect. And that's why you're on the show today, because I sort of do the same thing with the podcast, with the, oh, again, yeah. with the wrestlers, the video game people I have on, like a few weeks sure. ago or a couple of episodes ago, whenever this airs. I don't know. I had Michael Menheim on from obviously Mutant Football League. And we, that's all, my guy. I love him. All we Great. talked was literally Mutant Football League, the whole episode, except for like 10 yeah. minutes of something else. And it's like, yeah. and I want people to play this game because this game is fucking amazing. And even the old school yeah. game, if you want to go back and check out the Genesis version, right? And, yeah. and it's exactly what I want to do. The same thing. If you want to listen to someone review something and their opinions, and obviously, and I think you even wrote this in one of your books, like you're always going to have some sort of opinion because you like the product, sure. but Absolutely. you don't want to make it like a whole kiss ass episode of just, oh my God, you're the greatest. Oh my God, please come back. Oh my God, give me free shit. You know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 no. Uh I like to support the people who I have on. I like to get their books. I like to watch their movies, play their video games, do stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And like, Michael is a great example. Like, I remember, um, I interviewed Michael when I was at NBC. Mm. When, uh, when he was uh, getting funds for Mutant Football League, like on Kickstarter. Okay. Like in the beginning of it. Right. And we did a great interview. And then like maybe 
four years later, I decided to write the first Minds Behind the Games book. Oh, and he go. was one of the first developers that I pitched in Mutant, uh, Mutant League Football is in book one. And then uh, Mutant League Hockey is in my third book that's coming out like in June. There and then uh, we're actually talking now for uh, he's giving me answers for another game that I can't discuss right now on a sure. book that will be announced very soon but it's like michael is like one of these guys that has amazing stories he's interacted with so many amazing people and nobody knows who the fuck he is he, right? you could be in a starbucks sitting right next to michael Menheim, true. having played all of these games for hundreds of hours yep. army men battle tanks mutant league football mutant right? league hockey and not even know who he is and that's like one of the huge one of the biggest problems in the video game industry that the industry is constantly obsoleting itself by creating new systems. And then what happens is, unlike me, as you can see, I have everything. Um, <laughs> people just, they forget about like the games that they played as a kid and the people that created them. So for me, too, a lot of these developers are getting older and yep. some of them are even passing away. Like I've interviewed a couple of developers in the first, um, I mean, I'm on book six now. Um that I'm writing, only two have been published so far, and the rest of the rest are on the way. But like, mm -hmm. I have people that are that have passed away since I spoke to them. Shit. So, so it's like for me to be able to get their stories and to like immortalize them right. is important. And that's the thing too. It sucks like being a podcaster and a writer and stuff because you're working on all of this content. You're trying to get all of these eyes, but it's like, what happens if like the podcast uh, service that you're using mm -hmm. goes out of business? Right. What if there's no Stitcher? What if there's no <laughs> Apple Podcasts? Like, for me, that's the reason why I started my site. So this way I can have some control over my content. Because right. I sell my stuff to some place, and then that place goes out of business. Like, Examiner, I had 4,000 articles on their site. Oh. I got an e email. Right. We're going out of business. All those articles are gone. Interviews with Dolph Ziggler, oh. Paul Heyman, Ultimate Warrior, Daniel Bryan. Like, oh. tons and tons Man. of great stuff right. off the internet. Jesus. So I write these books now. Now they're in the Library of Congress. They're in like 80, over 80 uh, colleges and libraries worldwide and a ton in Canada. Jesus. I fucking love Canada. Oh, my <laughs> God. There's, I'm telling you, Simon Fraser University, there's tons of tons of my books in, in Canada. Right. So now it's like unless we have a world war and all of those countries don't exist, then my work won't exist. But then nothing will exist. So That's I'm true. OK with that. You know, so you're right, man. These stories all have to be preserved in one way or another it does and another good example too that i had on the show a few uh weeks back was mike herman he's running a retro uh what's a retro wrestle um uh, what's what the fuck's it called see my memory yeah retro oh, wrestling God, like retro wrestlemania not wrestlemania no. i know what you're talking about the retromania like wrestling there it is retromania wrestling yes. it's a tribute to uh wrestle exactly uh, See, and no one knows who he is. I know. So my and, and again, no one knows who he is. No one knows his past. Like you know what I mean. And it's yep. like, no, you got to bring these yep. people to the forefront, like you said, and give them the spotlight every once in a while. And it's pretty cool to know everyone's story. And it's super hard too. I mean, to get eyes. I mean, perfect example. You're somebody that's doing great work, but it's like it's so hard to get eyes. Like anywhere, even like Instagram. It's like I run a group on uh, Instagram. It's called the Retro Game Mafia, and it's probably okay. like fifteen of us. And it's just basically like a group chat. We just bullshit about video games all day. But we share nice. each other's posts and like we help each other. So some of the guys are like cool. streamers and some like are modders. And, and like me, I'm an author and stuff. And we support each other. But it's super hard. Like unless you look like Jenna Jameson, <laughs> it's, it's, it's super hard to get likes on Instagram. Like you You're could right. do super quality content and people could be like, well, look at you. And listen, I'm not an ugly guy, but I'm not David Hasselhoff. So it's like it's super hard to get eyes so it's like yeah every time i have an opportunity hey, to talk shop i take it you're looking at a mick foley fucking skinny wannabe over here so you know what i mean it's not like <laughs> i'm breaking than mick foley. 
<laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Not that Mick Foley is ugly, but I guess to each his own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, some people are into mangled ears. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, your beard game is strong. Thank so, you. Thank you, sir. What about uh, posting your game of the day? I love this that you do every day on Instagram. How do you come mm-hmm. up with this? Have you had repeats? Do you do you write them down so you don't repeat them? Like, what's your process? <laughs> well, what happened was um, I was getting ready to quit Instagram. Mm. I was just like, I had like 1,300 um, followers. And I'm just like, what the fuck do I have to do? to like build an audience okay. like i don't at this point i didn't even know i didn't know what to do and this was probably like <laughs> three months ago okay you know i'm like what do i have to do to, to get an audience i'm like i'm writing these books they're getting bought the books are being bought they're being read i'm like but i'm like i don't i want to get some more eyes i want to get some more people and i'm like sure. you know what i have to do i have to do something like consistent every single day okay so uh, i was just sitting there i'm like you know what let me do game of the day and something really funny happened hmm. sitting down and my daughter just sat on my lap. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fuck it. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm never going to edit these. Right. And uh, from that day on, we, we just come in the man cave. Mm-hmm. And there's literally like, there's over 3,000 games in here Jesus right now. Jesus Christ. So she just comes in. And <laughs> but I'm not saying it because she's my daughter. But she's the cutest, most adorable, like, perceptive, smart little thing that you could ever have. She'll just walk over and grab, like, a whole bunch of stuff and go, did you play this when you were a little kid? Do you like this game? Do you like that? And she'll just take shit off the shelves. Sure. And and what I'll do is, like, whatever she takes out, whatever I am, because, I mean, there's a lot of games in here I've never played that I just bought that oh, I was going to play one day. Gotcha. You know? So there's been a couple of times where I'm like, oh, my God, do I have something? But then, you know, I'll look through. And there's been no repeat so far. I think we've done, like, 86 episodes. And okay. uh, there's not going to be a repeat for a long time. I just have to play. <laughs> right more stuff um but yeah it's just like the super like casual like organic kind of thing and since i started doing it like i'm i'm at like 2900 followers now on instagram so like nice since i started doing it like my my uh followers have like doubled you know so which has been good but then also too my buddy uh esteban he runs brooklyn video games the video game store um in brooklyn it's a really big store i've supported him since like day one I used to run tournaments like No Mercy tournaments and oh, Marvel sure. versus Capcom tournaments for him and stuff like that. Nice. And uh, I was taking pictures of his store like during lockdown, going by and like like doing like little TikTok videos, like I miss you, <laughs> blah, blah blah. And he started sharing them, and that got me more likes. And then nice. since um, I mean, since Corona, the book has been selling. The book, the first book, has sold consistently well for like the past two years. Okay. But like now, everyone's stuck in the house, so I'm selling more books now than like ever before. That's so. Awesome. It was like Corona, game of the day, and then support from like great people, and mm. now I'm up to like 2,900 followers on Instagram. So my hope one day is to get that little check, right? You know, so I'm Google verified already. So it's like I want like I want to just keep growing, keep reaching more people, and it's just consistency. It's every single day, you know. So sometimes I'll post like 30 posts a day, and my wife will be like, "That's like way too much," and I'm like, <laughs> "You know what? It's not." So, so yeah, that's how that that'll got started oh that's pretty cool and yes your daughter Josie shout out to her she is adorable it's not only because you are her father it, it adds it, and it, it's a, again it's something different it's not just some guy sitting in front of his video hello the video game of the day is Grand Theft Auto 2 I love this game because blah blah like you know what I mean and it's like okay yeah. I know everyone knows why they love the game but tell us your experience so then someone could have their own experience it's funny man because like I've done videos a couple of times with just her Okay. Uh, without her. Sure. And or like with the dog, and people are like, "Where's Josie?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Son of a bitch." She's a star. 
like she's the star, but it's she's so funny. It's like to the point where like we'll be in the living room, yeah, and she'll be sitting on my lap and we'll be watching TV, whatever, and she'll just look at me and go, "Go do game of the day," and I'm like, <laughs> "I love you." That's awesome. Like I love you. You're awesome. So she's cool. <laughs> yeah, shout out to her. That is awesome. And another Thank thing you. that you do on Instagram, you post the retro roast videos. Now, is this something that you come up with, or is this someone else that you repost for? No, no, those are that. Those are all me. I'm. A, nice. I've also done. Um, I've written story for uh, two Finnish games, um, and I'm writing story for like three games that are currently in development. And I've done wow. voice acting on about five games and counting. Oh wow! So really, all those voices are all mine. Like oh. uh, that's that's the poetry. The poetry is on Xbox One, PS4, Switch. And I play the main character in the poetry. I walk around a mansion with a gun, shooting zombies and shit. You know, and uh, that's an awesome voice, by the way. So, and then the, the stupid, like, you know, in a world, one man, yes. one beard, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Stanley Cup, <laughs> vagina. Oh my god, you know. So, um, oh, I started shit. doing those retro roast videos like shit. a year ago, two years ago, okay. And um, I started a YouTube channel and stuff, but it's super hard to monetize videos that are like a minute long. Right. So I was like, you know what? YouTube is not the platform for this, you know? So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to repost them on Instagram. So, like, sure. probably for like a month, I posted like three or four a day. Yeah. I'm like completely out of them. I have to start doing them again. But um, it just it showed people another side of me, right. um, which I was happy about. So, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, I want people to come to my channel to say, you know what? Yeah, he's geeky. He's mega fucking geeky. <laughs> but um, he's a dad. Sure. Um, he loves Dunkin' Donuts. He loves games. He loves wrestling. He loves hockey. So it's like all these, like, that's the thing, man. You can learn a lot from even people that you don't necessarily like or people that you don't necessarily, like, agree with. Like, sure. the whole, I'm too old to understand this whole streamer shit. Watching somebody play a game does nothing for me. Hey, you know? I've had but episodes they, that I've ranted on this shit. Trust me. I I've know. Tried. <laughs> I've tried so hard to sit and watch somebody play a game and talk over it. And I'm just like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, I want to play it. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, these people create a brand, and they're like really cool personalities yes. that people latch onto. So that's why it's like watching your friend play a game. That's, of course, so I know. I'm, I'm like, let me channel that, but without streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, because people ask me, "Oh, you should stream, you should stream," and I'm like, "Who the fuck would want to watch me play a game?" Right. You know, so I try and channel that, like the coolness and the charisma of a streamer, but like just as real and authentic as possible on my. On my Instagram. So. Oh my god! That's <laughs> now going back to the three thousand games. Have you yeah. ever bought one by mistake that you've already owned and that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Yes, yes. It's it, it happens more than it happens a lot more lately. Oh my god! Um, so like my daughter probably has like twenty games, okay. um, and those are doubles. So like I'll go nice. to, and, and like I'll come home and I'll, I'll I'll go to put it in like you know put the PlayStation Two game with the PlayStation Two games or the <laughs> Xbox Three Sixty game or so I'd be like fuck I have it son of a bitch you know and then I'll go Josie and she'll be like what I'm like you want it and she, oh my god and it's like the coolest thing there a copy of like Unreal Tournament you know on Xbox or Atlantis on Atari Twenty Six Hundred sure. she thinks it's like the coolest thing ever uh, sometimes um whenever someone buys a book directly from me okay um I always put cool shit in there. So like um like trading cards like oh, nice. for example like you're you're a Penguins fan so like if you bought the book I would totally put in some like 1988 1989 like Pittsburgh Penguin cards in there like a fucking nice. Bob Eri or something like <laughs> Shoot, that you know cool. and yes. you'd be like oh my god Bob Eri or yes. Joe Mullen and you'd be like oh my god how the fuck does he have a Joe Mullen <laughs> you know, just to, to connect with you more because right. you know well I don't want it to just be like oh here you bought my book I signed sure. it bitch like I want it to be 
an experience. So um, a couple of people that I've had over the uh, over the like last two years that were really cool. Um, I threw in I threw in games in their packages, and they were like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Oh. So yeah, whenever I get doubles, um, I try and get rid of them as fast as possible. Like everything that I have in here, even though I have three thousand games, like I have everything's in here for a reason. Like even yeah. the shitty games, like I could tell you a story like. Oh, the guy that made this game is actually really cool. So we had to support him. So we spent twenty dollars on his really shitty game. You know, so like, <laughs> I always want to have, like, I don't want to just buy stuff to buy stuff. Oh, you were talking before about how streamers annoy you. Yeah. Whew. You know what? You know what really grinds my gears? Tell me, please. <sighs> Fucking people that get their games graded. What? What? The, what do you mean graded? What the fuck is graded? It? So what happens is like, okay, so. People that are watching, uh, people that are listening, they can't see, but like okay. we're, we're doing video. So like, here we go. NHL Face-Off 2003. Yes. Okay. So this is the last NHL Face-Off on PS2. Oh, This okay. is the last game in the series. Super right. important game. Sure. I got it for like six bucks. Okay. I love it. It'll, it's an important game. But what will happen is like, I can send this into a company mm. and what they'll do is they'll box it. They'll put it in this big plastic box. Okay. And they'll grade it on a scale from like one to ten. Okay. And, and that's, that's it? it? What the f- so the thing is, you can't open, you can't get the game. It's like screwed shut. Oh wow, it's one of those. So what, okay. So what people do is they'll, they'll have like a really pristine copy of a retro game, right? Like complete inbox. Sure. And they'll get it graded, and then they take a picture of it on Instagram. Oh my god. So my whole thing is, it's like I have all of these games, but I have all of these games to play them. That makes sense, and especially video you games. Know, I, now, now I understand like figures and. Toy models and stuff like that, because you don't sure. really physically play with them. Well, mind you, maybe yeah. some guys do, but yeah. it's gonna be left in the package regardless. Even if you take it out or leave it in, it's gonna look the same. So might as well leave it in the package and keep the worth. But for Absolutely. video games, it's yeah. like, no man, you want to play that shit. That's the reason why you buy them. It's not to look at them. If you use like the retro retro Jeez. video games tag on Instagram, you find tons of people. They just get their games graded. And they're like, oh That's look, ridiculous. I have a a nine point one Mario Brothers three, and I'm just like. That's Mario Brothers 3. That shit deserves to be played. If you're not going to play it, give it to somebody that will play it, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <Woo>. Rant over. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. That, that shit that annoys me. That and then, like, when you have, like, the beautiful woman, like, in a bikini. Okay. Like, that doesn't annoy me. But, like, holding a picture of, like... You know, Dead Rising. Sure. On like Xbox 360. And they're like, oh, I love Dead Rising. That's the whole caption. That's the whole thing. No, no. story, no nothing. And that picture gets like 5,000 likes. Yeah, of course. It and does. it's like, are you serious? Are you serious? And the thing is, I know plenty of amazing female streamers, collectors, historians and stuff. And they can't get a goddamn like. But the right? girl in a bikini that knows nothing. I know. It's crazy. It it's is. nuts. It it's is. Nuts. <laughs> well, let's talk about what we've t- we've touched on it. Obviously, your books. What you're most known for? The minds behind the games. Well, first, before we touch on that, when did your love for video games actually start? When was when did you pick up your first controller and you're like, I want this forever in my life? Uh, that's probably around three. Oh wow, okay, that far back. Um, yeah, and see, the thing is, like, I grew up in a lower lower middle class, like white trash, hot dog eating, macaroni and cheese eating sure. family. In Brooklyn, New York, and um, okay. we didn't have a lot of money. But if you had a like for, for like the neighborhood that I lived in, if you had a game console in your house, then you weren't poor. Gotcha. That makes sense. That actually, was like the, that was like the deal breaker. Yes, like, you're you right. Know? Or or if you had a VCR back then too, that was another deal yes. breaker. Yeah, if you had a VCR, <laughs> cable, 
and yes. a, a game console, you were like, all right. Yes. You know, you would go over to the true. kid's house that didn't have a game console and would be like, what are we going to do? Oh, you want to play Monopoly? It's like, <laughs> bitch, I want to play Buster Douglas Boxing. <laughs> right. Like, I want to play, I want to play NHL PA 93. You know? <laughs> oh, true. well, we got this. It's like, bitch, you got Pong? Like, what? <laughs> you know? So, my dad always made sure, um, that we always had a game console. And the thing okay. is, my dad was such a big baby. So, like, my dad worked at a printing company in, okay. in the city. And um, they would print, like, posters. And, like, they would print, like, inserts for, like, albums and stuff like that. But, like, in his office, he worked with my uncle. And in his office, he had an NES. Oh. And uh, they would play Blades of Steel, Tech Mobile, Little League Baseball, like, uh, ice hockey all day. Yep. And... Uh, when we got an NES, like my dad would come home and my dad would be pissed because my uncle could play. My uncle was really good. And then like over time though, my dad just got significantly better because like oh. I was I was always a solid gamer. So like my dad would get really good playing me and then go to work and then beat the shit out of my uncle, <laughs> you know? Sure. And uh, and then the Genesis and so on and so on and so on. But like uh, we always had a console in the house and um there you go. I was always interested in playing games and seeing like what could happen if you did certain things so like mm. um i remember that there was the, the what's it called the forfeit rule in rbi baseball like if you right. if you scored you know but like how i found that out is i played a two-player game and i was holding one controller with one hand <laughs> and i just kept hitting like i wanted to see how high i could run the score up to see like what the computer would do right. and this is at like three four years old and my mom would be like what are you doing and my dad and my dad would be That's like, awesome. shut up, just let him, like, he's not bothering anybody, he's quiet. Like, exactly. And I have, a twin, I have a twin brother that's like a knucklehead, so okay. they were busy, they were busy enough, like, watching him, so they were just like, he's being quiet, <laughs> just let him be, sure. you know? Playing Legend of Zelda and going all the way to the edge of the map. I did know? that, like, yes. It's like, that's the type of gamer that I was, like, I was always interested in, in everything <laughs> about the game and not just, not just playing it. So, like, yeah, I would probably say three, the NES definitely made an impression on me. Okay. Um always loved games and then as i started writing mm -hmm. by the time i was like 17 18 i knew i like i was a sports writer for quite some time i covered the nhl for a couple of years oh, nice. i covered um uh, major league and minor league baseball for a couple of years and i loved that i went on the road with the minor league hockey team one year like i went to all sure. their road games i covered the shit out of them yeah, yeah. um i got offered like uh, a pr position for, for that league and uh, i decided to go to graduate school instead but all that stuff was so much fun but I knew it wasn't like what I really super duper wanted to write about. It's, it was sure. it was video games, of you course. know. So that's cool. No, that yeah. that's a good start to to video games because I've had again, like you said, most people who are not that they're good, but that are know what they're doing are more in like their fifties now in video games. So everyone yeah. that I've had on, literally, it's either Atari or ColecoVision. That's everyone's first. And honestly, mine my first video game system was ColecoVision, but I was too young. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. But yeah. my official real first system, I would have to say, is, is like you, the NES, right? So and now I gotta yeah. I gotta know as well. Since you're a hockey fan, well, what did you prefer more? Now I gotta know. It's it's like the WCW WWF war, Blades of Steel or Ice Hockey. Oh, ice hockey, all the way. I mean, so this is the thing. I love Blades of Steel. Right. I love the fighting, and um, the screen flickering used to drive me crazy. Me too. Um, the thing that I that I don't like about Blades of Steel is that the puck doesn't rise. Oh, you're right. The puck just rides along the ice, you know. So I it's like I never that. like 
I never felt that gratification when taking a slap shot. Like if you hold the shoot button true. in ice hockey, oh, you feel and nobody it. fucks with you. Yeah, the shot just like rips off like your ally afraid or some shit yes. like that. You know, so I always like that. Okay. Um, me too. I'm so the same. it's like one of the reasons why I love Super Blood hockey. Like if you have you ever played Super no, Blood hockey? No, what the fuck is this? You never played Super Blood? No, hockey? what is this? Oh my god, I have to speak to the developer and get okay. him on your show, please. Um, so his name's Lauren Lemke, and um, he his dad used to work for Acclaim, like in the 90s. Okay, So he sure. was one of these kids yeah. that like grew up playing Acclaim video games and stuff. Sure. And he made this game called Super Blood Hockey that is okay. basically like an homage between Mortal Kombat, oh, NBA Jam, Blades yeah. of Steel, and Ice Hockey. Nice. And you create a team from scratch. Okay. And it's amazing. It plays like Ice Hockey meets like Mortal Kombat. Okay. That sounds it's amazing. Very good. He's like, and he made it's one guy that made the entire game by himself, oh, wow. and it's on uh, Switch, Xbox One, PlayStation Four. It's this great indie game, um, and one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it reminds me of like a steroids-induced version of ice hockey. So yeah, oh, if okay. I had to pick between ice hockey and Blades of Steel, I definitely pick ice hockey. Okay, so now obviously being an American, you always pick the states, and me being Canadian, I always pick Canada. But I didn't understand why Canada was green, but that's for another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what was your lineup? Your your starting four: skinny, medium, or fat. What was your preference? Um, I always had one skinny guy. Okay, me too. So and far, then so I had good. Three fat guys. Oh no, I went with one skinny, one fat, and two medium. That was my lineup. Because again, the fat guy, even though he could rip that shot, he's too slow. And then the skinny guy, you bump him anywhere, he's gone. So I, yeah. the medium is like the in between. So you got to have at least yeah. two. That was my lineup. So that's what my, my dad used to do for medium. Oh wow! No, that's too that's boring what though. Do. Yeah. So I was like, it's like playing with like four Mario's. Like by right. way, I had like you know three Bowser's and uh, Waluigi. You know. So. That's okay. So back to the books. So for yeah. people who don't know, who've never heard of you before, shed some wisdom on them. What's your books about? How do you sell them? How do you bring someone to start reading one, one of your books? So um, the books are uh, and Brian Mazik from. Uh, from Forbes said this. Um, I didn't say it because if okay. I said it, then I would just be an arrogant, cocky piece of garbage. Okay. Um, he said that the books are, they're like a ESPN 30 for 30 about your favorite game. Beautiful. So when he said like that, that, I'm like, bro, thank you. That is nice. You know? Um, so the books are chapter based, which means that you don't have to read the book from start to finish. So you can just pick like the, the chapter that you want and read it. So like oh, the first book good. is, is the minds behind the games. Right. And that's kind of just like a du jour of like, it's 36 different games from the Atari 2600 to like the PlayStation 4. And each chapter is me telling the story of that game. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, uh, of course, there's my opinion in it, but it's it's 99% of the developer telling the story and then me just creating the context for which that conversation can flow. So like the okay. beginning of the chapter will start with me talking about how many copies it sold. What it, what it influenced, how important the game is. And then, then we start off on, on the story, the history of the developer, where they come from, the things that influenced them, how they got into the video game industry. And then, finally, the development cycle behind the game. Oh, you know, So yeah. um, it kind of like my whole goal is to connect you to the games that you love in a way that you've never been connected to them before. And also to have you appreciate games that you thought were garbage. So like in games like Night Trap, E.T., uh, yes. In the sports book that's coming up, I interviewed uh, the developer by uh, that did uh, Legends of Wrestling uh, Showdown, okay, the yeah. last one. I remember that one. You know, and the thing is, that game could have been so much better. Yes, had like a claim, a claim fucked that game up so bad, and it, it like it wasn't even the developer's fault. They rushed them through it, right? And 
so many different things went on. So, like, the thing is, if you played Showdown, you could go, oh, you know what, that game was all right. But then when you find out all the things that happened, you're like, damn, man, that game is so much better than I thought it was. So that's what I want to do. I want I want people to kind of, like, stray away from streamers and, like, YouTubers, like, you know, the angry video game nerd and, like, Pat Country, who are entertaining, but they're not necessarily fact-based. So that's the thing. So, like, I want people to, like, know the facts behind these games, enjoy them, have fun with them. So that's kind of, like, that's my goal. Um, In terms of, like, where you can buy the book, the book's available wherever fine books are sold digitally. So, like, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, um, Books A Million, Indigo, like, wherever fine books are sold. um, Probably the best place to buy the book, though, is my official site, uh, patrickhickeyjr.com. Because I'll I will sign the book for you, but then what happens too is I'll email you and and I'll start a conversation with you and like perfect example right now I would be like oh tell me some teams that you like I'll I'll have a conversation with you I want right. you to know that like I'm not I've been to some terrible book signings over the years like I, I waited online for like hours for like sure. to, to to meet an author and then you like shake their hand and then it's like next yeah and whenever I, I do a signing or whenever I do a speaking engagement well, I used to do a ton of them before all this shit happened um. I would love to, to talk to people for a couple of minutes. Right. And sometimes people would get pissed off. So I would tell people in the beginning, if you just want me to sign your book and you don't want to have a conversation, come up first mm-hmm. and I'll sign your book and I'll shake your hand and I'll take a picture with you and stuff. But if you want to have a real conversation, then stay and I will make sure that I talk to all of you. So that's I can't right. do that now. So that's why I love to put stuff in people's books and have conversations with them. So like, again, I'm trying to build a community I'm trying to, like, show people, like, you know, what my brain represents and stuff. And it's a, it's supposed to be, like, more. So, so yeah, the best place to buy the book would be patrickickyjr.com to, uh, to kind of support the brain the most. No, of course. That's awesome. And so you've kind of sort of dibble-dabbled around it. What book is next? What is the next in the series? So right now, The Minds Behind the Games came out in April 2018. Okay. Then The Minds Behind the Adventure Games came mm-hmm. out in December of 2019. The next book is The Minds Behind the Sports Games. Sports, yes. And that's coming out in like June, July. Um, okay. I just went through a whole round of edits with my publisher, so they should be sending me the final draft like any day now. Nice. Um, I finished um, The Minds Behind the Shooter Games oh, okay. in, in April. Um, so that's being edited as we speak. And that's probably like that has 39 games in it. That's the biggest wow. book that I've done so far. And then um, I signed the contract in January for the minds behind the Sega Genesis games. Oh, that's going to be good. And uh, I already have, I have over 40 games confirmed for that. I'm writing that right now. And I'm actually almost done because of, I mean, all this Corona stuff. I've just been home and I've been writing right. like a maniac. Um, and I also, um, in July, I will announce book six, which is already um, more than, I would say more than halfway confirmed in terms of sources. So like, Book six is probably going to be like the the book that I'm going to be the most proud of because it was the it was the the era of gaming that influenced me the most. So like that's all I'll, that's more than anybody in the whole world knows about it right now. But like Perfect. there will be a sixth book, and um, it's coming along freaking amazing. Like I was writing a chapter of it like before I before we got on today, and sure. I'm just like, yo, mm, baby, this is coming together. <laughs> so so yeah, so mine's behind the games, mine's behind the adventure games. Those are out. Then Minds Behind the Sports Games is coming up next. Then by the holidays, January, Minds mm-hmm. Behind the Shooter Games. Then sometime uh, around the end of 2021, Minds Behind the Genesis Games. And then after that, the Minds Behind the, 
and you'll find out about that in a couple of months. So that's so, awesome. Yeah. So I get. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you which one's your favorite, but you just said it. It's the most recent one that you've been working on. So there you go. <laughs> They're all. You know what it is? It's all like a growing process because like the first book i didn't know if there was going to be a sequel like it was my oh, first book i didn't know okay. how i didn't know how people were going to take it i didn't know if it was going to sell and i'm like you know what I, I need to write this okay and it it sold well it's like in its fifth printing you know like it's doing great and um I, th- as soon as that as soon as the book started to sell i was like you know what i have to do a sequel so then i started writing a sequel and i pitched it to my publisher and they were like no and i'm like wait what and they're like we don't want to, they're like we don't want a sequel like they're like because at that point i had like 23 games already like 23 chapters written sure. and they were like do you understand like the list of games that you've given us so far like you've got some shooter games you've got some sports games you've got some adventure games this is three different books right and i was like no that's not what i want to do and like my wife is like stupid they're trying to brand you <laughs> They're trying to, like, make you, set you up for, like, the most success. Like, they're a exactly, publisher. That's what yeah. they do. Of course. And I, I just, I was just sitting in my main cave, like, like right in the spot, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, you know what, that's the right. So I, then I signed the contract for the three books. Right. And I was writing three books at the same time. And uh, and it's just like, as people would give me answers, I would just, you know, put them in, you know, each folder and on the computer. And I was working on all three books at the same time. And I finished Adventure first, then Sports, then Shooter. And then um, I was probably, like three quarters of the way done with the shooter book when I was just like, I've been writing three, two and three books at the same time for the past two years. And I'm like, I felt so empty working on one book, you know? And, uh, I was like, I got to work on another one. Sure. So then I pitched in the Genesis book as I was finishing the shooter book. Mm. So now like two weeks ago, I'm looking at the Genesis book and I'm like, I'm almost done with this. So I'm like, all right, got to start another one. Another. So now I'm working on. So I have. To, I'm. I'm so fucking weird, man. That I had to write like two books at the same time. That's good for but, you. But um, that's kind of like where I'm at right now. So uh, after you're done the whole minds behind the game series, do you have something in the else? Because you said you always you're always looking like six steps ahead. So do you have yeah. your next series in mind that you want to start off that you're pitching around? You, again, you don't have to mention it, but do you have something yeah. rolling around in your head? So there's a bunch of things. Um, so I've been writing the stories for three video games. Okay. Um, one, uh, I wrote the story for a game called Kroom, K-R-O-O-M. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like a top-down Legend of Zelda meets, like, Akari Warriors and Contra. Nice. Um, yeah, and, uh, the animator is Pete Paquette, and, okay. uh, he was the lead animator on Bioshock Infinite. Nice. And he's dude. worked on Overwatch and Madden and Gladius and a ton of games, so, like, sure. we're working on that game together with his brother. Okay. So I wrote the story for that, so that's on the back burner. Um... Uh, I'm writing a story for two other games that I can't, you know, NDAs and of stuff, course. I can't describe them. Um, I wrote a play in the fall about oh. a wrestler. Oh, wow. Um, it's a really cool play. It's a, it's about a professional wrestler that, um, he's a jobber. can't sure. fucking win a match, and he's not making any money. So, mm-hmm. like, he robs banks to, like, support his wrestling <laughs> habit, you know? Um, so I have an actor and a director already lined up. So, like, once all this, like, corona stuff is over, like, I'm going to really start pitching that on... Um, I just pitched a comic book series to uh, to Image Comics go. a couple of weeks ago. So I have a great artist, um, and we did like a, a first issue, like a little eight eight page teaser. So that's out there. Like we're pitching that around to see what happens. Um, I started writing a wrestling book like three years ago. Okay. Kind of like the minds behind the games. Oh. And okay. it was like e- each chapter was just focusing on a single wrestler. Sure. And I have, like, a nice chunk of that written, but that's kind of, like, fallen on the back burner. But, like, one day I would like to finish that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, too, um, one day I have to write a hockey book. <laughs> um, 
And whether it's about the Islanders or sure. whether it's about like the year, like I told you, I, I covered um, this team called the Brooklyn Aces oh, wow. of uh, the Eastern Professional Hockey League in like 2008. And it's basically okay. like slap shot. There was like four, <laughs> there was like four fights in every, you know, in every uh, crazy in every game and it was so i went on the road with these guys like they're all my friends still on like okay. instagram and stuff like that and sure, like sure. They, they were it was an amazing time in my life it was so much fun there's so many behind the scenes stories and mm-hmm. i think people would really like connect with that i would want to do that one day so like the cool thing about the minds behind the game series is like there's so many things that i could do so it's sure. like i did minds behind the games my adventure shooter sports Genesis, I could pick another console. I could do Minds Behind the 80s games, Minds Behind the 90s right. games. Like, there's so many different avenues that I could take it. So, like, those aren't going to stop anytime soon. But, yeah, That's like, I would definitely want to uh, I definitely want to write a play. I definitely want to write, like, a fiction book. There's tons of stuff that I want to do. So, as long as I stay healthy, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Like, I'm just going to continue to keep doing this. And voiceovers, like, I've been doing voiceover and video games for the past two years. That's something that, like, I want to continue to do that's so much fun. So I just want to keep being, like, not being, keep doing like what what it is that I'm doing, and just keep adding to, like, pop culture in one way or another. No, that's awesome. That's again, I'm just doing a podcast, and I'm thinking this is too much for me. You were here juggling fucking like twenty things, and and successful on top of it. So hats off to you. <laughs> okay, now I gotta know. You've played tons sure. of games. What's the weirdest or most odd game? that you've ever played or a game that you couldn't even explain to someone or that just was totally broken that sucked shit like you know what i mean and no offense to the people who made it but you know what i mean oh yeah yeah yeah. oh man I, i've been asked similar questions before um but like, like like the worst game that i've ever played but not the weirdest mm-hmm. um it's still like it's kind of like the same answer but i'll give you a better answer than i gave last time uh sure. <laughs> and the lord of the rings fellowship of the ring on the game boy advance okay it's like, why does this game even exist? Like, it's like, it's so, it's so broken and unplayable. Okay. That's probably up there as like one of like the games that I'm just like, I understand why the game exists like on the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox and stuff. And I've interviewed the developer okay. of that game and it, that's a cool game and it's different, you know, but like on the Game Boy Advance, it's just like, did we really have to port this to the Game Boy Advance? You know, but you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, the weirdest game the game that I'm just like, let me see if I have it. Is it <laughs> you probably do, never mind. Jesus. No, I definitely have it. I just have to find it. Give me one second. Because I'm like, I was talking about it to somebody the other day. Here we go. It's right here. Fuck off. <laughs> I got to see this now. Ah. Little Nicky. Little Nicky. The movie? On the Game Boy Color. The Adam Sandler movie. Shut up. What the hell is this game about? Little Nicky. It follows the movie. But oh, it's wow. like, why? 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 <laughs> Why? Why does that game exist? It's know. a platformer, but it's just like, it's so weird. And like, I think Mike Micah made it, who made a lot of Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color games and stuff like right. that. And uh, he's in that Atari Game Over um, documentary. Sure, yep. You know, and he, I have a lot of respect for him because he's been in the industry for like 20 years. But I'm, I'm sure that that was a game that he was like, what? <laughs> because what happens is like when you're a developer and you're working for a company, they assign you games. Of course. So, you know, one day you wake up and they go, like, oh, you're going to do Spider-Man. And you're like, yeah, baby. Or they go, oh, you know what? Oh, can you help out with, like, um, backgrounds on NBA 2K20? And you're like, oh, yeah, 
all right, no problem. But imagine, like, you're the guy that that day you wake up and you go into the office and they're like, oh, you know, we got a project for you, right. Little Nicky. And you're like, what? So, yeah, Little Nicky on Game Boy Color, it's like, why? Why does that exist? It's so scary. And, I mean, there's a Barbie game on PS1 that I'm just like, that I own. I don't even know why I own it. I think somebody must have gave it to me. But it's like a Barbie, like, horse riding game. Well, like, I'll, I'll give you one better. Uh, game. I don't know if it was Game Boy Color or Game Boy. No, it had to be Game Boy Color because I'm going way back uh-huh. now. I bought my niece. She was I don't know maybe six or seven at the time probably. So uh-huh. and she was a big fan of the Olsen twins. Did you know the oh Olsen twins God. had? So you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Speaking of games yes. that don't need to exist, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I love when people complain about games now like a lack of quality in games and listen let, let's be fair there's there's are there are games on like the nintendo eShop that i'm just like like i bought a 14 cent like preschool game on the switch the other day because wow. it, it had like counting on it and stuff and i wanted my daughter to play the switch you know sure. like so i was like yo let me give her this and stuff but i'm just like why does this game exist on the switch like holy crap but like it used to be far far worse back in the day like yes. gamer uh, game creator uh, game development companies would find a license that they thought that they could milk some money off of yep and they would go to town like quality control has never been like higher in like triple a companies indie companies yeah. now though that's like people complain that like ljn like they're happy that ljn isn't around anymore and stuff right. but there are a lot of indie companies that take risks and make really you know, subpar games. Well, speaking of company, we brought them up too. The one that pops in my yeah. head is Acclaim. Like, I had yeah. a love-hate relationship with Acclaim. It's either sure. they made the best games or the shit. Like, to me, all the Simpsons games that Acclaim dropped for the NES, they were fun, but the controls were, like, the most clunkiest, shittiest. Like, I don't even know how I passed uh, Bart uh, versus the Space Mutants. That's one of the hardest yeah. and most fucked up games you could play because of the control system. But I ended yeah. up clearing that game, believe it or not. But, like, that's what Acclaim did, though. It was, you know what I mean? But then they would drop gems, like, well, I don't know, they were attached to it, like NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat for the home systems. You, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, so you're able to do good shit. Why do you drop this fucking nonsense garbage? You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's a great that's a great observation. Um, Mark Flipman was a producer for the Black Team okay. on uh, Acclaim for, like, a decade. Sure. He's a good friend of mine on Instagram, and, like, I've interviewed him a ton of times. Super nice guy. Um but he used to tell me, um, and it's it's in the adventure book. He talks about it a little okay. bit. He talks about it more in the Genesis book that I'm working on now. But, like, Acclaim had, like, A, B, and, like, C titles. Yes, exactly. And, like, the A games were, like, the games that they knew were going to sell, like, NBA Jam and, um, like, Mortal Kombat and stuff like that. Yep. And then they had the B games that were, like, licenses, like the Simpsons games. But then also within the Simpsons, they would have, like... Um, Maybe Bart versus Space Mutants was like an A game, right? But then they had like a Game Boy game on on uh, the Simpsons license, like Bart and the Beanstalk or whatever. Sure. That you were like, and that would be like a C game or a B game. Okay. You know, so it's like they sure. were just they were trying to produce as much stuff as possible to make as much money as possible because it was a business. Yeah, because yeah. even at one time they had the, the WWE license, right? And they were just pumping those games. And it's like, go back and try and play that WrestleMania game on the NES. It's like, that thing is almost unplayable. It's ridiculous. So see, the thing is, too, um, what a lot of people don't know is, like, Acclaim was a publisher for the most part. Of course, yes. Up until, up until like, towards the end, like, when they had their own studio and stuff, when they bought Iguana Studio and stuff. Exactly. But, like, that WrestleMania game, do I have it? I have it over here. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I do. Where the hell is it? 
it somewhere over here. I was just talking about it the other day. Um, <laughs> it's there, but whatever. Um, Rare made that game. Shut up. Yeah. See. Absolutely. So oh, Rare made Rare made that game. Rare also made the uh, was it Rare or Bethesda? They made that really crappy Wayne Gretzky hockey on the NES. Oh I'm sure it was yes. The one that makes you dizzy. Yeah. You know, so it's like a lot of these companies made games that were like awful and they were in they were indie companies and like Acclaim was this big publisher that would try and take as many games as possible and yes. get them out. That was Acclaim's job. Okay. Tell the company what they wanted, give them the time to do it, and then ship it out as fast as possible. Like that's what you were right. trying to do. You were trying to get all of your games out, like you were trying to get your B titles out like after Christmas. And you were trying to get your bigger games out around Christmas, mm-hmm. and then you were trying to sprinkle games out throughout the rest of the year. And then sports games totally changed it because now sports games were on a yearly schedule. True. You know, and they would start at different times, so that that kind of changed the industry and stuff like that. So, like, right. it was a hard job to be at a company like yeah, that because you knew imagine. sometimes you were going to release a game that was like complete shit, and there was nothing that you could do about it. And then what they did was too is a lot of these companies, like Nintendo was smart, because Nintendo knew that this is what they were doing. Right. So Nintendo would say, you know what, Konami, you can only release, like, 40 games a year for us. Mm. So then Konami would be like, all right, asshole, this is what we're going to do. And they would start another company. Oh. Like a subsidiary sure. of Konami. So yeah. that subsidiary would be like, um, what's it called? Ultra Games. Okay, yes. But you have... So Ultra did like metal gear and yes. like ninja turtles and stuff yep. but that's a konami company yeah crazy so then you so then konami would release 50 games under ultra and acclaim <laughs> no. did the same thing because acclaim owned uh, ljn yeah they owned a whole bunch of other Shit. companies so yeah. then they this way they would just be able to keep those floodgates open all year and just keep releasing games My it's God. crazy right Can't and- do- yeah how the industry has changed as they say right mm-hmm. fuck my god yep so, again, uh, you're a perfect person to ask, too, because your memory is fucking fantastic. How many consoles have been released over, I guess, the video game life cycle, including handheld? If you had to guess, or do you actually know the number? No, I don't know the number. Because the number, I mean, the number changes, too. People find out stuff. like I, I mean, I legit. Like, I'm sure there's, like, bootleg versions of shit, and then, obviously, the emulators and stuff. But I mean, like, legit studio, not, well, not studio, but, like, real companies putting out consoles. I'd say over 75. Re- that many already? Yeah. Fuck. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, um, I remember doing the research for the for the Night Trap chapter in the first book. Like, that was supposed to come out on a console called the the Nemo. Okay. And it was a v it was a VHS based system. So it was basically Shoot. like every single game was a movie that you could control. Oh, okay. So I see. it's like all those shitty. Well, not shitty. I hate using that word. Um, <laughs> Sega CD full motion video games. Sure. All. It was supposed to be a system dedicated to all of those types of games. Oh, wow. But, like, in 1985. That's crazy. So, so it would have been totally revolutionary. Of course. The thing is, the reason why nobody likes those full motion video games is because by 1992, it was corny. But imagine being able to do all that stuff in 1985, the same year that Super Mario Brothers came out. It would have right. been revolutionary. It would have changed the industry entirely. But what happened was... That system, those uh, Hasbro made that system, mm-hmm. um, and Hasbro couldn't reach an agreement with like Toys R Us on how much the system should be. Right. So what happened was Toys R Us was like, "Yeah, we're not selling it at that price." So then they oh. were like, "Well, then we're not going to do business." So back then there was no Amazon, so if you couldn't do business with Toys R Us, where were you going to put your system? Makes sense. So the system dies. So now all of these games like Ground Zero, Texas, Sewer Shark, Night Trap, they all disappear. 
And then seven years later, when the Sega CD comes to fruition, now the guy that owns the licenses to all these games is like, you know what, now I'm going to release these games. And then he did, and then Night Trap is a story all um, all of itself. You know what I mean? That game is like one of the most controversial games of all time. Yep. Yeah, no kidding. But imagine if it came out in 1985 instead of 1992. Not kidding. It would have been completely different. Yeah, no kidding. It would have been, yeah, who knows what, what video games would be nowadays if that happened, right? Yep, absolutely. That's, wow, what could have been? It's so crazy. Hindsight, as they say. So what is your, uh, gun to your head, favorite console of all time? Including handhelds. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Including handhelds? So, I'm, I'm not picking. Uh, this is my baby right here. Oh, there you go, Game Boy. Yes. That's my Game Boy, but it has white silicon buttons. And then it's got a backlight, so I can play it in the dark. Beautiful. So I love it. Um, also, did I bring it? Oh, yeah. I wrote this, too. I'm sorry that nobody could see this. <laughs> well, then they should follow you on Instagram. So this is my RG350. Oh, there you go. Oh, yes. That's familiar. I remember that from so the I post. Mean, yeah, I post pictures of this all the time. So I have every single... And I'm not a, necessarily like a fan of people hacking, uh, stealing ROMs and stuff. I feel like you, you should buy the game and stuff like that but like i have three thousand games you support the cause <laughs> i support the i support the cause and the thing is i like this thing because i need to be able to play play games like whenever and like do research whenever like on the bus on the train oh, true. exactly so i i have every single atari links uh nes ColecoVision, super nintendo oh genesis God. sega cd 32x oh um i have i have twenty thousand games on this thing jesus and um yeah, it, 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 is, it is the ultimate resource for me, research device. They play, the games play great on here. This uh, nice. has HDMI, so it connects to my TV. Oh, even like, better. It's amazing. So this is like, this has just changed the game dramatically for me. And it plays PS1 games. So like to answer your question, the PS1 is my favorite console of all time. Okay. Um, And to be able to have a PS1 like on the go. So the only thing that this thing can't do that I wish that it could do, the Nintendo 64 emulator on here sucks. Mm. And if I could take the greatest wrestling games of all time, which were on the Nintendo 64, sure. if I could take those on the go with me, like Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 and No Mercy and Revenge, if I could take those on the go with me, I would be so happy. Oh. <laughs> first world problems, my friend. <laughs> yeah, first world problems, absolutely. You're right, but it'll happen one day. So, Well, I need to know then, what's your holy grail? What have you been chasing physically that you just can't get your hands on, that you've been looking at, or that's too expensive, or anything out there that you're like, I need that, you're... you're I guess you're sort of Indiana Jones epic tale. Yeah. Um, so what happened was, and it's funny because it connects to the RG350. I have a, a buddy of mine that wanted an RG350. Okay. And um, he lives in the UK. I met him on Instagram. Super nice guy. And uh, he was like, I want one. He goes, but I want you to set it up for me. I want you to put all like the ROMs on there oh, and sure. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So he sent me the money. I ordered him one. It's on the way. And when I got the money on PayPal, there was extra money. I'm like, why are you giving me extra money for it? And he hmm. goes, I know you want a copy of Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. Okay. I'm like, oh, I love you. You know? So what I ended up doing was I found a, a, a dude on Etsy okay. that has the English patched ROM of Virtual Pro Wrestling. Oh, sure. So they took all the Japan they, they translated all the Japanese into English. Oh, wow. So I could play Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, which is basically like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah version of no mercy and then all the creative slots like i'm gonna make the entire wwe roster now like i'm salivating at the thought of this you know like 
my wife is getting ready to give birth and she's going to be in the other room and I'm going to be laying on the floor in here creating like AJ Styles and shit like that. Like it's going to (laughs) be ridiculous. Um, so that was, that's like one of my pieces of Holy Grail. Um, I always wanted a Game Boy camera and a Game Boy printer and I can afford it. It's just, I don't know. I just never got it. I'm definitely going to get it one day. Um, I pretty much own every game that I want. Um, except there's a 1993, uh, data East pinball machine. Okay. That I don't have the room for right now, but it's a Star Wars pinball machine. Okay, sure. It's the sexiest pinball machine that I've ever seen in my entire life. It has a, like an R2-D2 and a Death Star in there, and it's oh, like every time you hit R2-D2, it right. like squeaks and stuff, like R2, and like sure. you could shoot the bull like down the and, and activate the Death Star, and that becomes like a multi-bull and stuff. Wow. It's like the coolest pinball machine I've ever seen in my entire life, and yeah. I used to play it all the time when I was a kid around the corner from my house. It's like $5,000 now. Mm-hmm. Um, one day when I get my house and everything, I will definitely own that. That's like my that's like my holy grail. There you go. So there's always games that like I'll be on Instagram and I'll go, fuck, why don't I own that? Sure. Oh my God. The other day, um, I was looking on Instagram and War of the Monsters came up on okay. PS2. Yep. And that's such a good game. I played it and then I just interviewed the uh, one of the developers for Warhawk okay. on the PS1, right. which is a great game. And doing research, I'm like, oh my god, he worked on War of the Monsters. This is why I liked both of those games. Like, they both, you know... So now I'm like, you know what, since I interviewed him and stuff, now I need that game. I need to add that game to my collection. And one of my followers is like, oh, I saw the post, so, like, I picked it up for you. Um, and we, you know, I paid him and stuff like that. Sure. We took care of business and stuff like that. So, like, uh, that's that's kind of, like, what happens. Like, I'll see a game and go, do I have that? And I'll uh, <laughs> oh, no, oh, and I'll add it. But, like, the last piece I would say... In a perfect world, I would have that pinball machine, and I would probably have, like, NBA Jam, an arcade version of NBA Jam. That's mine, yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe, like, Off-Road, the stand-up version of Off-Road yeah. with the steering wheel. Sure. So much fun. Those three, and I would be happy. Maybe a Neo Geo machine, too, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think mine would be NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat. I don't know if two or three. Maybe I'll get a cabinet with just two and three in it, because I, I wasn't really a fan of the first one. And then you I would have to get one of those... Of what? I wasn't a fan of the first one. It was too slow. There wasn't enough characters. Like, you know, two just blew a ride open for me, right? Two is so much better, yeah. I so, agree. probably get a cabinet with two or three in it. And then lastly, it would have to be some kind of side-scrolling uh, beat-em-up game. So, either like T- Teenage Mutant Ninja-, Ninja Turtles, the X-Men game, The Simpsons, one yeah. of those. Like, oh, you know the I mean? X-Men game was so good. Right? So, those would be my top three. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, That's well, awesome. before we get into the Dumbass of the Week... You're wearing a you're wearing a wrestling T-shirt, Seth Rollins. Uh-huh. I'm wearing a wrestling sweater, Andre the Giant. So nice. We are both wrestling fans. Now I got to know who's your favorite wrestler of all time. Diamond Dallas Page. Really? I've never heard anyone say that before. <laughs> Just because, like, I feel like our stories are so similar. Like, okay. I feel like I'm always like the last. Like, growing up, um, I feel like I was never anyone's first pick for anything. Okay, gotcha. You know, and then it's just like, like we, I would go play hockey and people would be like, yeah, we'll take him, him, him. And then once the game starts, they're like, oh, shit. Okay. This was our third pick and this is like the best guy here. Or this is the guy that like nobody wants to play against because he will elbow, he will crush check, he will do whatever he right. has to do. Basketball, like I'm 6'4", but I went to school in a predominantly African-American school. Sure. So like... I was playing basketball against kids that were 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but I was oh, getting sure. rebounds over them because, like, I was throwing elbows and I was stepping on feet and I was doing whatever I had to do. Baseball, sure. like, same exact thing. Like, I would, I 
if I saw this pitcher had a, had a fastball that I wasn't going to hit, I'd, oh, oh, you hit me. Oh, let me go to first base. You know, like, gotcha. that's the type of person that I am. Like, as I, I'm a college professor. I've been a college professor for 14 years. And, like, when I walk in the room, people are like, you're the teacher. <laughs> because I don't look like that suit and tie person like people have said to me all the time like you're a white collar worker but you're like the the most blue collar white collar (laughs) person that we've ever met in our entire life you know so it's like you look at diamond dallas page and you're just like you're not like this yoga guy (laughs) you're not like this motivational speaker like you're not a wrestler but it's just like man you put some of his shit from like 97 to like the beginning of like 99 sure you put that up against anybody and it's just as good yeah you know I mean that move, that that move, is like the DDT of today, because everybody does the cutter now. Of every course. indie guy does the cutter, and every yeah. every indie guy has put their own variation. It's so it's like you got Jay Lethal doing the lethal injection. Yeah. You got Cody doing it off the top rope now. Randy Orton, I love Randy Orton, but he would be shit without the RKO. It's true. Without the RKO, he couldn't even do his finisher the right way before when he did the Elix Skipper play of the day bullshit. That's you know? right. I forgot you about that it. one. If it wasn't for Arn Anderson going over to DDP and being like, bro, bro, do me a favor. <laughs> Give the kid the fucking move, please. Please. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, just his heart. Um, his heart in the ring. And then, like, he just doesn't take no for an answer. Yep. I've read his autobiography. It's great. Um, I interviewed him. Nice. When, uh, that, when I was in uh, college. That was one of my first big interviews. And he's such a, like gregarious like over the over the top storyteller non-stop selling himself all the time and i'm just like you know what that's me like (laughs) you know so um i've learned a lot from from him um chris jericho is another guy that's like right up there constantly reinventing himself he's the man of a thousand gimmicks and can, can do all of them beautifully so that's i mean i think of myself in that term too i'm a voice actor i'm a writer i'm a father i'm an author i'm a college professor you know so it's like this the whole coronavirus i mean there are so many teachers that i work with that are just like oh my god what do we do blah, blah, blah. and i'm just like we do the same thing that we always do we just do it in a different way now so like now yeah. i'm doing video lessons and audio lessons for my students exactly and shit like that i'm still doing speaking engagements i'm doing more podcasts now instead of like face-to-face stuff like i'm still promoting my book i'm selling more books now than i was before awesome. so it's like i've read chris jericho's books i've learned a lot from from chris jericho you know um of course so yeah Jake Roberts, another guy. You Crazy know, story. Don't let any, don't let anything destroy you. Don't let anything define you. Um, I got in a car accident when I was eighteen, oh, and right. I uh, herni- I herniated um, four discs in my lower back. Okay. Um, I uh, compressed some vertebrae in my neck, and uh, I put on a ton of weight, and I held on to that weight for a really long time. I wow. just, I mean, I lost one hundred and fifty pounds the last like, um, like fourteen months. Oh wow, good for you. And like man. finally, like got my shit together. Right. Um, but like. Jake's story of like redemption is super important, you know. So like, I, I try and look at somebody and say like, they may not be the best person, but they've had some amazing shit go on in their life. What can I learn from them? Mm-hmm. And I think professional wrestlers are people that have amazing stories because you don't get to like, you don't get to the WWE without having a story, right? You know. No, it's true. So, now I feel bad. Now it makes me think what I thought of myself. My favorite wrestler as a kid was Shawn Michaels. So I must have thought I was some sexy boy with a chip on his shoulder being an asshole to everyone. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, when I think of Shawn Michaels, man, I just think of, like, he was so ahead of his time. Yes. 
And this is pre, pre-religion pre Shawn Michaels, obviously. Yeah, pre-religion. Nobody understood him. You know, it wasn't right? until Vince McMahon was like, you know what, let him be a dick. Thank you. Let him let him be himself and turn the volume up <laughs> as high as, you know. It wasn't until then. And it's like he had to, I mean, you think about Shawn Michaels even before like DX and stuff, because that's what people remember, 96, it's 97. True. He was putting on great matches for six years before that. And he had to slow down to work with people. It's true. You know, it wasn't until they finally put him in the ring with Bret Hart and Kurt Henning and all these guys that he could finally show people what he could do. But right. They were putting him in the ring with people that he was so much better than, you know. So he's got a great story too, pre-religion, you know, and he married a nitro girl. I mean, come on, he did good. No, he did do good. Because, again, for me, I always loved Shawn Michaels. As soon as he did the barbershop thing to, to Marty Jannetty, that's when I fell in love. Because, again, I'm a huge... I, I love the heels because I, I don't yeah. know why. Maybe I could relate. I don't, again, maybe going back. Maybe I am an asshole. Uh-huh. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> exactly. But it's like that even when Scary Sherry came into play and the whole thing, I think, back to when the skyrocket or they put the booster on him was... You mentioned him too with Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania 8? Which one was the Toga Party one? Yeah, I think it was eight. Yeah, so that one where Mr. Perfect came backstage after his match with, I can't remember who, I think it was against a narcissist, and he bumped into Shawn Michaels and they started that whole feud, and then that's it. That's when you were like, this guy is going to be something, you know what I mean? Yep. So, yep. That was fucking awesome. So, okay, I don't want to touch too much on it because we could probably be here all day and we got to get to the dumbass, but what do you think of today's product? As a whole, not, not let's fuck the empty arena matches. Everyone's talked to that to death. I'm saying before yeah. all this happened, what, what are you thinking of today's storylines of what's going on versus obviously the golden age and the attitude era? See, the thing is, too, I was having a conversation with one of my best friends the other day about this, and it's like I was watching um, Starcade 98. Okay. And um, it was like Prince Iakea versus Norman Smiley. <laughs> sure. And I'm just like, why the fuck is this match on Starcade? <laughs> Like, Starcade is supposed to be, like, WrestleMania for WCW. How the right. fuck did this match... And then, like, another one was, like, Scott Norton, who I love. I think Scott Norton is amazing. A and Brian Adams versus Fit Finley and Jerry Flynn. And that would have been, like, a decent, like, opening match for Nitro. Sure. It's like, why is this on Starcade? So the thing is, we tend to romanticize, like, the wrestling that we grew up on. I know. But it was just as shitty as some of the stuff that we see now. It's you true. Know? You you are right. I think it was just more of the awe factor, and then just how they just went from literally PG to rated R in like a span of a month. I think that's what really hooked us. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I think I think the one thing that separates like wrestling of yesteryear, like the late the late nineties, mid nineties to today, is like they're not scared to take a chance. True. Like like back then they weren't scared to take a chance, and I think um what was it? the other night on Raw, um. <laughs> Drew McIntyre cursed. Yes, yes. It felt so weird, you know? It felt it so, like, forced. Right? You it, know? It's not like how AEW does it, where they just slide in shit every once in a while. Yes. It's like, okay, yeah. this makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, like, I, I know what you're saying. When Chris Jericho, like, it was like the second episode of AEW. He's like, sure. you know what, Cody, I never liked your father. He was a piece of shit. Yes. And I was like, oh, that was so awesome. good. Yep. It's so good, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's the thing. We could talk about the empty arena matches and stuff like that, but like what the empty arena matches does right. is it forces it forces the athlete to be a thousand times more charismatic. That is you know? true. Or you could see how bad they are on the mic. Yes. Yes. It goes both so ways. Is, I feel like AEW hasn't skipped a beat. You know, and I've had this conversation too on the on, on the show. It's I think it's the presence of the wrestlers around the ring. 
Yes. It has to be that. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's why I don't like Raw, SmackDown, NXT. It's just it, like the echoness, the emptiness. It just feels, I don't know, it doesn't feel, it, it feels like a rehearsal. And the same thing, though, too, like, as far as like the WWE goes, out of all of those brands, NXT has by far been the best. Of course. Like, without a doubt. You know, and again, I think that has everything to do with, with Triple H trying to, like, Triple H is trying to bring that, like, late 90s, like, feel back to wrestling. Of course. And he I, is. I feel like the NXT brand, like, did you watch Karrion Cross's entrance yesterday? No, not yet. I'm, I'm going to watch either tonight or tomorrow night. I'm a huge fan of Scarlett Bordeaux. Okay. I think she's an incredibly talented. First off, she's beautiful. That's the first thing. But she can work. She can. And she takes bumps, and she don't take no shit from anybody. Just she's wa- paid her dues. Just watch her shit with AAA and with Lucha in general and see what she's all about. Because especially in yep. Mexico, that's fucking some. Yeah, you got to be she, tough. Anyone that doesn't know who she is and just goes, oh, that's just some hot chick, shut your mouth. Like, she's so much more. And she, she's one of those people that if you just look at her, you're instantly, like, attracted to her because she's yep. beautiful. But, like, she's more than the sum of her parts. She is. Like, she, she can work in the ring. Yep. Like, I'm telling you, you've got to watch. Okay, I can't wait. I know, I've been seeing it on Twitter, and every time someone posts, I'm like, nope, I don't want to see, nope, I don't want to see, because I want to see it, because everyone's been posting the entrance, because everyone's saying, this is how you make an entrance into the, oh, he's had, I was going to call him Killer Cross, but what is it, Caden, Caden, Carrion, the Seattle, whatever it is. like those, the birds, the killer Falcon, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Birds. Yeah, Carrions. But you know how it is. When, when they bring someone over and they change the name, you keep using the old name until it finally sinks in. You know what I mean? So, yep. <laughs> I still call Kevin Owens Kevin Steen and stuff like that. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, NXT has found a way to like kind of keep it going. They've had a couple of stinker episodes in there, but like during yeah. the whole like you know coronavirus. But for the most part, they've sure. been really solid. But AEW has not skipped a beat, and no, like the episode last night. Was great. Another good one. Okay, good. Because they use that empty arena, and they use and they had people like they weren't necessarily observing social distancing, but who cares, <laughs> you know? Um, and they made sure, like Jim Ross, made sure to say that everyone has been tested and everyone is is clear of the disease and blah sure. blah, blah blah. But um, I think that, and I'm not just saying this, but I feel like AEW has so much more potential than the WWE. Like I feel like. WWE has like their set audience and people know what to expect and the bar is incredibly high. Sure. But there's not that level of like unpredictability that there needs to be in order to appreciate the brand as much as possible. And that's why I think people like NXT because the chances of somebody joining like popping up on an episode of NXT is far greater than somebody just popping up on Raw or SmackDown. It just doesn't right. happen anymore. It's true. Unless you know? it's someone from NXT that you already know. So because people like us start love it and we watch everything, it's not really yeah. something to go, oh, whatever. But don't you find, though, okay, here's my difference between NXT and AEW. AEW is doing great and everything, but I don't think they have yet enough big stars. Like, for me and you, everyone's a star. But I'm saying for the everyday yeah. person, like, who do they re- like think about this? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. If they had the roster, that NXT, even just the NXT, fuck Raw or SmackDown. If they had the NXT roster, oh, my God. It's like, you, you nailed it, because it's like, uh, my dad is more of a UFC guy. Yep, so am and, I. Uh, Huge fan as he well. He started getting into uh, AEW. Okay. And uh, he's like messaging me during AEW. And he's sure. like, who the fuck is this guy? Okay. And I'm like, that's Kenny Omega. And he goes, he's too small. He's a bitch. But I'm like, do you understand who that is? I'm like, he's a former leader of the Bullet Club. Like, yep. he's a fucking pro. He's great at what he does. Nah, he's a small little bitch. I don't like oh. him. Blah, 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 blah. You know? And I'm just like, 
that's the thing. You nailed it. Like, people that, like, people look at the roster in AEW, and if they're not, like, super wrestling, like, aficionados, yeah, of course. they may not connect. Like, I remember the first time Luther was on AEW. Right. I'm like, oh, shit, wow, wow. Right. And I had the guy on my site that covers AEW on my site okay. messaging me on Facebook. He's like, who the fuck is that guy? Oh, and I'm God. like... And he's young. He's like 22 and he's writing wrestling and it's sure. his first like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you, you need to look him up. I'm like, because he's been around the indies for a decade and he, he's important. You need to know who he is. Of course. So, so yeah. I mean, but that used to happen on WCW a lot too, that they would bring in somebody. Like, I remember the first time like Masa Chono was on Nitro. Right. And no pop, people were like, no who is this guy? Yeah. And I'm like, what? What? Like, that's the Yakuza kick, the SDF. Like, that's <laughs> Masa Chono, man. And they're like, yeah, no. I so, know. It's that's ridiculous. kind of like AEW is going to get comparisons to WCW for the rest of like their existence. Of course they are. Of course it is. Because not to mention you have Tony Schiavone announcing, right? So that brings it right. Like, And yep. I love Tony Schiavone. He's so great. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, JR is great too. But I think, I hate to say, JR's lost a little. Like, you know what I mean? He's not the JR sure. of the past. And right. I, I, again, and I hate to say, and I know why he's good, but he's not my style of announcer. My Right now, my top two is. Joy Styles and Mauro Ronaldo. I like that over the top yelling. Oh my god! Like, yeah. like Jr. did it too, but he was more analytical. He knew what he was talking about. Like he was the professor again, not to steal it from Mike Tanay, but he was the true professor. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a per- in a perfect world, I would totally go with like Shivani and like Excalibur. I think the two of them together Excalibur's great are too. Really solid. I right. love Jr. and I've interviewed Jr. twice. He's a right, great right. guy. You know. Um, and JR has done so much for the industry too, like being of like course. one of the founding fathers of Fight TV as well, and doing work on like you know uh, New Japan. And I mean, he's a he's he's a legend. But Shivani too, man. Like Shivani is a guy. I hear his voice, and I just remember like I right? was a Nitro guy. Okay, I was totally a Nitro guy, and I remember when both of them were really good, having to flick back and forth between Nitro and Raw. Sure. And I used to hate like when Nitro was really bad, and I was about to change the channel. I would feel terrible because I knew once I flipped over to Raw, I wasn't flipping back, you know? So I tried to stay on for as long as possible. But like, I remember like around the summer of 99, Nitro started to get really shitty when Hogan came back and he was like the red and yellow. And I'm just like, yeah, nah, this is it. This is it. You know? So, but yeah, every time I hear Shivani, it takes me back to being 15, 16. And that's like when I connected to the product the most. It's so true. See, up here, we didn't have that problem because being Canadian, we didn't have... TNT and uh, the USA Network. So everything wow. was on our TSN, which is the ESPN of Canada, right? So they would yeah. air Raw first at 8 or 9, and then right after, they would air Nitro. So we'd get to continue. Oh, wow. So we wouldn't have to flip back and forth. So every time we heard about the, the ratings wars, we're like, we got no ratings wars. We watched them back to back, no problem. That's, right? see, and that's why Canadians, listen, and I'm sorry if I insult any of my American <laughs> brothers and sisters and stuff. Man, Canadians are real wrestling fans. Yes, you know? we are. Like, they are, they are the most dedicated wrestling fans in the entire world so all you got to do is go to an indie show anywhere in canada and you'll see for yourself it doesn't matter if you have five people if you have a hundred it's going to be the best time Mm -hmm. of your life guaranteed absolutely it's like there's a wrestler i interviewed him a couple years ago um scotty mack okay and um he runs uh what was it like ecw uh eastern canadian championship wrestling okay and like uh his his wife um was uh she was a global force champion for a little while nice Oh my god! But like Becky Lynch trained, uh, wrestled, wrestled in that there. promotion. Like tons of great people came out of his his of promotion, and like uh, they they they're in British Columbia, and it's like they're like this little 
wrestling promotion, but they always have like 600, 700 people, and the production value is awesome. Like those are people that care about wrestling. Exactly. And those right. are that's that's like the thing that I take away from Canada all the time. Like they they care about like hockey and they care about wrestling in ways that like I wish American people did. Yeah, no, okay, this is going to be the last thing about wrestling, because again, I'll have you on and we'll just have a whole wrestling episode then in, in the future. But you uh-huh. got you got to check, I got to put them over because I've had the owner, I've had wrestlers from them on. Smash Wrestling uh-huh. is one of the best wrestling organizations in Canada that you could watch. See, I, Johnny Gargano was one of their champions back in the day. Kevin Steen's come through here. Cody Rhodes has been in. Young Buck, you, up, down, doesn't matter. All the big names nowadays, they've come through here. Like, you know, even their roster to this date, you will find some independent. Re- There's this guy, I'm gonna, and another guy I'm going to put over, Psycho Mike Rollins. Google this uh-huh. guy. He had a match against his own conscience. And he put oh it, and it was so much fun to watch. I actually watched it live, and it was fucking crazy. He waterboarded himself. He did all kinds of crazy shit. You got, you have to watch it. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Google yeah. Psycho Mike Rollins, and these are the gems that you find up here, like you said, in Canada and all these organizations. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so fucking crazy. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Dumbass of the week. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Oh. This is crazy. This one, actually, I'm going to give props to my wife. She submitted this to me because I've been asking people to submit stuff too. If, and if you have any dumbass stories you want to submit eventually, I'll give you a shout okay. out to anybody. Google me. Uh, Google me. Wow. Email me at the podcast app at gmail.com too if any of the listeners have crazy people out there or crazy stories. Okay. I don't need to know and I don't want to know, but <laughs> to tie this all together, have you ever done anything so crazy to the point? Okay. Have you done anything naked? And that you've hurt yourself to the point where you need to go to the hospital? No. Okay. Good. Good. Because I was going to say, this might, might get a little awkward here. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, neither have I. Neither have I. Okay, because I'm not, I'm not that crazy. Okay, this Dumbass of the Week comes from the States, of course. <laughs> and, okay. You know those uh, white plastic chairs in the backyard? What, what, uh, okay. Uh, older gentleman goes outside... Obviously, during quarantine, this has been a huge thing, too. I don't know if you've heard about this, too. A lot of people have been going out naked, apparently. Like, they just think that they could just, you know, there's this huge thing. I think it's in Michigan or one of the eastern states. They actually had to have people walk down the street and patrol this because people were just walking around naked. That's how bored people are. Oh, my God. Well, that's not not even the dumbass. Okay, so this dumbass walks naked into his backyard and sits on one of those chairs. What do you Uh think got caught and that he couldn't get out and got pinched to the point where they turned purple? No way. <laughs> yes, his testicles. Oh, my God. Well, that's the thing, too. Oh, my God, this is a funny story. And I'll keep it short. Um, sure, go for it. When I used to cover minor league baseball, okay. Um, man, baseball players love to walk around naked in the locker room. That's all athletes. <laughs> hockey, hockey players walk around naked a lot, too. Like, I've been in Madison Square Garden. Like, I've covered games in Madison Square sure. Garden and stuff like that. And I've seen players naked and stuff. And it's not, it's not a big deal for me. You know, it's just like whatever. It's like par with the course. But like, man, baseball players, like they would, they they'll do an interview naked, and you'll just be like, "Holy shit, bro!" Like, put on a towel. You know, it's kind but of like, awkward. Um, yeah. There was a manager for the Staten Island Yankees, okay, the New York Yankees Single A affiliate, sure. and I won't reveal his name, okay. But like, um, man, one of uh, one of my fellow writers, Stephen Haynes, he's an excellent writer. He still writes to this day. He covers baseball. He covers everything in uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, and stuff like that. Right, and. Um, we did an interview with this manager, and when we left, he goes to me, he's like, damn, man, you see how low those that guy's bowls were? And I was like, <laughs> like, 
I'm like, I wasn't, I was, I was, I wasn't like, looking. Exactly. And he was like, bro, he goes, that guy's balls were hanging so low. And I'm oh just like, God. I don't know. You know, so it's like that we used to joke around all the time because he would be like, hey, man, you white people, man, when they get old, their balls hang low. And I'm like, I don't know. I have nothing to like compare it with. <laughs> I was going to say so exactly. obviously now we do have something to compare it with because if this old man's, uh, you know, uh, ball and chain got got stuck in there then that definitely is something that all of us caucasian men have to watch out for as we get older is the, the hanging fruit of sorts so it's so true uh, and again not to reveal too much but i wear boxers and i'm dreading the day where i have to go to briefs because they are hanging too low I, oh, uh, that's gonna be the worst God. day of my life <laughs> that's crazy but that's dude that's scary man so it like is. he's getting up off the chair but he's still he's still connected to the chair you know like let me oh, see if i could God. actually find the post because it was on instagram the other day oh yeah i got uh -huh. it right here let's see if you could see it do you see that oh my god see yeah, it actually shows his nuts and they're like all black and purple yeah yeah well you gotta really like kind of like get in that chair well that's the other thing what was he doing and yeah. for him not to notice like to me as soon as, like, even if I scratch my balls a certain way and it's the wrong way and it fucking pinches, I'm like, oh, Is like, you know like, what I mean? Was it pulled off the greeter? I don't know, man. Yeah, know. man. Whatever. That's, what's that movie with uh, Ben Stiller when he gets his balls caught in the zipper? Which one is that? Oh, I can't remember. Again, you're speaking to the guy with the worst memory. <laughs> with the whole, uh, what's it called? The one with Cameron Diaz. Oh, what about Mary? And Matt Dillon. What about Mary? Yeah. That's kind of like that, man. You, oh, exactly. Man, that's bad. Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. That's your WS of the week. I love it. That's it, man. <laughs> all right, Patrick. Where can uh, people find you? Where can people get your shit? Plug all your stuff again. Take as long as you want. Do not absolutely. worry. Thank you, man. Uh, so, like I said before, I'm Google verified. So if you just write in Patrick Hickey Jr. on Google, like all of my stuff comes up. My Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook. So on Facebook, I'm Patrick Hickey Jr. If you search my name, I'm the first thing that comes up. I, I pretty much accept every friend request as long as you're not a crazy person. And we kind of find out right away if you're a crazy person or not. Um, right. On Twitter, I'm at ReviewFixPat, and I use Twitter mainly to like share um, like articles that are posted from ReviewFix, but I do post from time to time on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is kind of like my main uh, source of uh, like posting and stuff, and that's Retro Games, that's my family, that's me and stuff, and that's uh, Patrick Hickey Jr. Um, so you can buy the book, like I said, from everywhere, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all those places, but if you want to support somebody like me that's like you know writing all of these books the best place to do it is like straight from the person not only is the royalty higher but then you get a, a closer interaction with the person so if you go to patrickhickeyjr.com you scroll and it's right there it says books you click on it the, the pre-order for all of all the first three books are there um the pre-order for the fourth book is probably going to be going up in the next couple of weeks um so patrickhickeyjr.com uh uh, also, like if you're interested in some of the voiceover work and game work that I'm doing, uh, mm -hmm. the, the game that I wrote, that I edited the story for, and and the voice of the main character is called the Padre, and that's currently available on the Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and PlayStation Four. Um, and then if you go to croomgame.com, you could see updates on the next game that I wrote the story for, and that's pretty cool too. So thank you guys, like for for listening to me. Thank you guys for uh, all the support. Um, you said before, like in the beginning of your show that like supporting somebody financially is important but those likes and right. those ratings are important people don't and get for it me too, like amazon uh the reviews good yes. reads like follows on instagram and stuff that stuff is important because like even if you're not going to buy the book mm -hmm. if you share my work 
you may share it with somebody that may like it. That's what I'm all about. So like supporting me doesn't cost you a dime, you know? So it's like, just join me on this like journey of like just sharing like really nerdy fun shit. That's all I ask. No, that's perfect. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show. Support all those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it helps me out. And obviously, like we mentioned, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. All good, my friend? Yeah, man. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot one last time before we go. Video games or wrestling? Pick one. Can we say wrestling video games? I'll take it. I'm telling you, like, in a perfect world, like, I'm looking at it right now, like, hold on, I'm going to show you really quick. So that's, like, that's the TV? Okay. Like, in my man cave? Sure. So it's, it's like, a pink, like, Disney CRT? <laughs> yes. But, like, what's what's next to it? Like, the Nintendo 64 and what? And uh, Revenge, of course. Yeah. In a, perfe- in a perfect world, man, that's what I would be. That's what I would be <laughs> doing. So those are, like, all my games and stuff like that. But, that's um, crazy. man... If I could play those games, like, every single day, that would be, like, heaven for me. So, so yeah. Um, Perfect World, I get, like, a couple of hours of video games in, and then I would get to fall asleep with, like, the WWE Network on. So, I, if I could have a three-way with, like, wrestling and video games, that's what I would do. So. Perfect. On that note, he's Patrick. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.